Good morning, church. Uh, we'll be reading um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. And it says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Praise God. I must tell you that this is a difficult message to preach. It's, it's, it's not easy, and there, there are two reasons for its difficulties. The, the first reason is that the text this morning is exhorting Christians to show honor, to highly esteem and love, to respect their leaders. So I realize that much of what I have to say this morning will sound like I'm on a soapbox and, and that, that it may sound like I'm, I'm ranting and that I'm not really too happy with how the elders are being, being treated here at East Point Church. Uh, that's, that's not the case. <laughs> um, you all are gracious, more than gracious to the elders here at East Point Church. However, however, this is the word of God. And I don't have the luxury of skipping over difficult parts. And you don't have the luxury of not being challenged by the word of God. So it is what it is. <laughs> it's also a difficult message to preach because if I am being fair, the, the church throughout her history has suffered under corrupt leaders. Men who love power, who have, who have fleeced and even damaged the sheep, wounded them. So to speak of honoring and respecting leaders in the church brings ap apprehension for some who have been hurt in the past. Uh, make no mistake about it. Spiritual abuse is real. It, it's one of the things that breaks my heart to see the sheep, men and women of God, being hurt by corrupt, ungodly, selfish, and lazy men. It's real. It's real. So this is a, a hard text to preach, but it is but it's also a deeply encouraging text to preach because it reminds us that there are faithful men worth honoring. Despite the church throughout her centuries being plagued with ungodly men, men not worthy of honor, God's promise through the prophet Jeremiah still rings true. Jeremiah 23 and Verse 1 and 4 through 4 says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. And listen to the promise. Then... 
I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fare no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Do you hear his goodness there? What a blessing. God cares for his sheep by providing them with good shepherds, men who care for them and love them. Well, so if this is the case, Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonians at the end of this, of this letter is a command that can be followed. We can, we can, we can heed the commands here. And, and, and that these commands produce blessings both for the elders of the church and those whom they shepherd. Where at the end of Thessalonians, Paul is coming now to the end of his letter in chapter 5. And, and he has some final instructions for them. And, and these instructions are coming in the, 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 the form of like rapid fire. They're, they're like quick, quick jabs, but they're jabs that pack a serious punch. Paul begins to bring his letter to, the, to a close by reminding the Thessalonians and reminding us that they are to honor their leaders. Honor their leaders. Verse 12 again in our it's short this week, so I'll read it again. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Paul's point here is very Clear. He, he is strongly urging, strongly suggesting, strongly asking the Thessalonians to honor those who have been given spiritual oversight over them. Paul, in this text, is confirming and affirming the elders, the pastors, the, the men who have been tasked with shepherding the body. Paul says, honor the men who are over you in the Lord, the men who admonish you. We know Paul here in this text is talking about elders because that is the common role set aside for elders in the scripture. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, speaking to the elders, exercising oversight. We see it again in Acts 20 and 28. Paul, when he is giving his final exhortation, saying his goodbyes to the, uh, the elders at Ephesus, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We also see it in 1 Timothy 3 and 1. Paul is laying out the characteristics for an elder. He says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And we have Titus 
Again, speaking about the qualifications for an elder, for an overseer, as God's steward must be above reproach. So, so this respect and this esteem that Paul is, is, is calling or urging the Thessalonians to show is to be directed toward the elders who have been appointed as their overseers. Paul says, honor these men, honor the elders that have been placed among you or over you. In our world of the informal and the familiar, honor and respect are no longer virtues that are held in high regard. We're casual with our dress, casual with our words, and that is carried over to how we treat authority. Well, that may be okay for the world, but in the church, God expects his appointed leaders to be honored. Well, the question becomes, how do brothers and sisters in Christ esteem and respect their elders? Well, that's a good question, but how fortunate that the Bible answers that question for us. The Bible is not silent as it relates to this this question, God has given to us instructions in his word for how shepherds, for how elders are to be honored. You honor your elders by obeying and submitting to them. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, obedience and, and submission have become dirty words in our day and age. I, I know, uh, just reading headlines and skimming the paper and reading the internet, I, I know of two uh, women entertainers who over the last several years were, were, were um, ridiculed, were um, uh, made fun of because they chose to not only promote, but, but actually um, tell people that they were okay with their God-given role of submitting to their husbands. Submitting has become taboo. In our culture, submission is seen as weakness. It's seen as the forfeiting of rights. And, and forget about obedience and, and about obeying. We think obedience is for children. We think we grow out of having to obey those in authority. Brothers and sisters, this obedience and and submission, these are not words that, that leaders, that elders came up with on their own uh, um, to, to make people uh, submit and to obey. It's not something they're trying to uh, you know, assert their authority and flaunt their power. Obey and submit are words that God uses. And he intends that such actions would produce blessings and growth 
in his church. It's the church. It's his church. It's his church. And these are his rules. These are his rules. He says, obey and submit to the leaders. Brothers and sisters, why are you called to listen and follow after your leaders? Here's why. I want to tell you why. Because if they are faithful shepherds, what they are teaching, preaching, and calling you to is Christ and the word of God. They are faithful. If they are faithful, you need to know that they are not seeking to lead you astray. They are not trying to kill your joy. They are God's recognized authority on the earth to help you follow after him. You obey and submit to leaders who call you to heed the word of God. You understand that is the, the real issue. It's not whether or not you're going to listen to us when you come to the elders and the pastors for counseling. The issue is, are you going to obey and submit to the word of God? I, I, I must tell you something. I mean, people come all the time, but, and so some of you have not come to me for counseling, so maybe one day you will come for, to me for counseling. So here's the caveat, right? When you come to me for counseling, I am not very smart. I don't know all the answers. Listen, when I sit across from you, the only hope, the only instruction that I can give you is the word of God. I don't want you to listen to my advice because my advice may not work. It may not be smart. It may not be wise. But God's word is always right. It's always wise. It's smart, and it is to be heeded and followed. That's all I got for you. You come to me, and if you don't want to listen, I mean, hey, I'm not offended. It's, it's the word of God I'm giving you. You honor your leaders by obeying and submitting to them. But you also, but you also honor them by trusting them, by trusting them. One of the ways you sh that you respect and esteem your leaders is by trusting them and their decisions. And particular, particular, that's particular, their decisions. Listen, elders have to make a lot of decisions that affect a lot of people. It's, it's not easy sometimes. Many times those decisions come, uh, are not, they're not made in like fly-by-the-night moments. They're, they're not quick decisions that are made. Sometimes those decisions come over much agonizing, much time, and, 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 and much prayer. And I must tell you, it is not at all encouraging or respectful to question and criticize every decision made by the elders. It's not at all encouraging. Listen, but, but here's the deal. I am not talking about not giving your input or, or, or not having a blind adherence to everything that is done. I want you, we want you to offer your suggestions. 
offer your solutions, ask questions. But listen, don't get angry or disgruntled if the elders decide to go in a different way. You are to respect them and honor them by trusting that the men God has set over you want what is best for you and the kingdom of God. I told you it was going to sound like I was ranting. Brothers and sisters, I'm not ranting. <laughs> I'm preaching the word of God. This is, the, this is what it says. Listen, I want, uh, I want you to listen to the qualifications for an elder listed in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. I know that it's long, but it's helpful. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Why do I share that with you? And how does that relate to you trusting your, 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 your leaders? These qualifications are put in place so that the men who are sit over you could be deemed, can be deemed trustworthy. That's why the qualifications are there. Not perfect, not with the inability to make a mistake, but men who, who love God, love his people, and can be trusted. As Titus says, to hold fast, they can be trusted to hold fast to the word of God. That's, that's why the qualifications are there. So that you can trust that the men that God has set over you have been qualified to fulfill the office they have been called to. Oh, you show, you show your, your, your honor, you honor your leaders, you show your respect, you esteem them highly in love by obeying and submitting, but also by trusting them. But you also, you also honor them by appreciating them. How many of you uh, know or knew that uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month? <laughs> Look at God in his providence, right? <laughs> a whole month, a whole month dedicated to appreciating pastors. A whole month. Do you, do you sense my sarcasm there? Oh, this is great. In the vein of Mother's Day, and Father's Day, Administrator Month, Educator Month, Black History Month, we somehow think we have filled our obligation because during that month or day, we appreciate these people. Paul here is not advocating appreciating your elders once a year. He is making the point that your attitude towards those who has spiritual oversight over you ought to be an on, ongoing attitude of appreciation. Will you recognize their service to the church 
and this appreciation may take various forms. Words of appreciation, cards of appreciation, calls, emails. There are myriad of ways in which you can show appreciation for the elders that rule well among you. But here's the deal. Not appreciating them is not an option. You, you must, you are called to appreciate them. Hebrews 7 says, remember your leaders. Remember their means. Praying for them, encouraging them, thinking of them. Remember their leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. 1 Timothy 5 and 17 says, let the elders who rule well be considered of, worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Brothers and sisters, this is how you show respect and esteem in love the elders who are among you. You, you obey and you submit. You, you trust their, their leadership and, and, you, you, and you, you appreciate them in their service to you. Oh, but it's important that even in these short two little verses that we look at Paul's instruction very, very carefully. Brothers and sisters, what Paul is saying is that you ought to give honor to whom honor is due. This is why I love this text. This is why I love this text so much, because it doesn't let pastors and elders off the hook. Elders are held accountable. Honor is not to be given to leaders simply because they have the title. In fact, that type of honor has led People to desiring leadership in the church for all the wrong reasons. And I will tell you, those are the men that hurt the sheep. They see the respect given and the honor shown to elders, and they want the attention too. They want the power and authority, but they want neither the burden nor the work that comes with it. When Paul says, honor those who are among you, he has in mind here conditional honor. It's conditional. Like he says in Romans 13, 7, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. It's Paul's point in our text. You are to respect and esteem those who labor, those who work. Again, notice the language. It's, it's work, it's labor, it's, it's toil, it's sacrifice, it's, it's sweat. They get their hands dirty. Paul says, honor the men who are working hard among you. But th this is not just any work. This is the work of the ministry. Remember, we're talking about overseers here. Some odd reason, when people talk about ministry, they don't think of it as work. They, they assume, and I've heard this said before, 
uh, of course, by nobody in here, they, they assume the job of a pastor is pretty easy. Oh, you get to study and pray all day. And you really only have to work one day a week. I mean, come on, how hard could it be? There's no doubt. There's no doubt that some men enter the pastoral ministry or become a lay elder simply for the title. There's no doubt it happens. I mean, this is, this is, this is the product of us living in a sinful world. There are men who are in the ministry that are lazy and taking advantage of the office. These men, unfortunately, just cannot be avoided. But what you need to know is that the faithful overseer, whether he is a lay elder or a pastor in full-time ministry, is laboring hard. Elders give themselves to, to preaching and to teaching, to praying and to shepherding the flock, to counseling and to discipleship, to encouraging and to admonishing, to rebuking, to pursuing, and everything in between. Many sacrifice family time and, and job promotions and personal time and vacations and, and sleep, all because they love the sheep, they want to be faithful to their calling. And the sisters, faithful elders, they work hard, labor hard. It is, it is joy-filled and encouraging work, but it is hard work nonetheless. Charles Spurgeon, he's quoted as saying when it comes to pastoral ministry, the first sign of the heavenly calling is an intense, all-absorbing desire for the work. You, you hear his, 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 his idea there? He, he says, if this is work, he, if you're going to enter into ministry, into pastoral ministry, into lay ministry in the church, you understand that you are working hard. You're being called to a work. And then he goes on to say in his quote, don't do ministry if you can do anything else. Spurgeon wants men to understand the work of the ministry is not for the faint of heart. It is a long and toilsome road. You don't enter the ministry expecting an easy road. Paul says, if you have elders among you who are giving themselves over to this type of work, to toil and labor over the word in prayer and encouraging and in counseling and discipleship. If you have those men among you, then you ought to honor them. Give honor where honor is due. The end of verse 13 seems like it's kind of floating out there in, in no man's land. Like it, it's kind of like a, 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 a phrase unto itself. But, but I, think, I think it's tied to honoring your elders, to honoring the leaders among you. Paul says at the end of verse 13, be at peace among yourselves. I mean, this, this could be a whole sermon in and of 
itself. Be at peace among yourselves. And we don't have time to do that, so we're just going to finish it out. All right? The reason this is tied to honoring your elders is because peaceful, a peaceful church brings joy and encouragement to the elders. What brings discouragement is disunity, strife, and quarreling. I think, I think this is why Paul is so adamant about it to the Thessalonians, but he's just not adamant about this to the Thessalonians. It shows up in most of his letters. To the Ephesians, he says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To the Philippians, he says it this way. Complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord of one mind. Then, later on, towards the end of Philippians, he hears that there are two women in the church that are going at each other. They're quarreling, Iodia and Syntyche. And he tells them, he calls them out in the letter. Imagine being in that church. <laughs> and you're hearing it read from the Apostle Paul. And all of a sudden, you hear your name mentioned. Oh, he's going to praise me. Yodia and Syntyche. Yes, that's me, that's me. And he says, get along in the Lord. <laughs> Agree in the Lord. To the Romans, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Oh, we can go on and on and on with the admonitions to be at peace and to, to get along, to be unified. The Bible is full of these exhortations. But why do churches still have issues with peace? Why does Paul have to say, get along, be, be at peace among yourselves. There, there really is just one culprit. You can trace everything back to the root of sin. Sin causes disunity. It disrupts peace. And if we are going to be at peace among ourselves, we need to do at least two things. Firstly, we need to feed the Spirit and not feed the flesh. The reason Christian brothers and sisters lack peace among themselves is because they are feeding the flesh rather than the Spirit. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, and so when you walk according to the, the Spirit, you are eager to maintain the unity of peace. You die to self. You put others' needs ahead of yourself. You are quick to love, to forgive and get over it. You give people the benefit of the doubt. How about that? You are not easily offended. <laughs> Need I go on? You seek for peace at the expense of your feelings. But like I said, the issue is we feed the flesh rather than the spirit. Listen to a list one author gives 
that he says disrupts peace among us. Insecurities and worries destroy peace. Discontentment destroys peace. Envy disrupts peace. When we try to read other people's thoughts or motives, it disrupts peace. Brothers and sisters, that one is real. That one is very real. Well, well, so-and-so doesn't, doesn't, you know, yet they weren't even thinking about you. They had, they, you weren't even in their mind. And all of a sudden, we're out with them. We feel offended by them. And we're quarreling. Strife. Disunity. Brothers and sisters, all those items do is feed the flesh, feed the flesh, feed the flesh. We are going to be at peace among ourselves. We have to feed the Spirit. Not only that, if we are going to be at peace among ourselves, we need to remember that you and I have peace with God. We have peace with God. Listen to me. Brothers and sisters in Christ who can't get along, who are constantly quarreling, who are at each other's necks where there's strife among them, have forgotten the peace they claim to have with God. You, listen, Christians who are at each other's necks forget at one time they were at enmity with God. You and I were not the offended party in this scenario. We did all of the offending. We had all of the animosity and the vitriol we could muster up. And guess what? The, the offended party who could crush us at any moment and be justified in doing so moved towards us and brought peace. The offended party, the one who would have been justified in taking you out, didn't come to you bringing the hammer, but came to you and said, Ephesians 2.17, and he came and preached peace to you. And you who were far off, to, uh, peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. No more enmity, no more anger, no more strife, peace with God. And brothers and sisters, if we have peace with God, then we have no business being not at peace with each other. But Christ, in reconciling us to God, has now given us a common denominator that ought to always be our default when it comes to peace. We have Christ. If your brother and sister offends you, you should be going to your default I'm reconciled to God and therefore to this individual. And the Bible calls me a peacemaker. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. If you are seeking peace, then it confirms that you are a son and a daughter of God. You are in, uh, acting in accordance with, what it, with who you are. In Christ, we have been reconciled to God, and therefore we have no excuse of not being reconciled to one another. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2 when it, becomes, when it comes to the Jews and the Gentiles. Yeah, there was, there was friction there, but that dividing wall of hostility has been torn down in Christ. You have been reconciled to God and therefore reconciled to one another. Brothers and sisters, be at peace among yourselves. For in, do, in so doing, you not only honor God, but you honor and bring joy and encouragement to your elders. What Paul has in mind here, this be at peace among yourselves, it's not just with one another, but it's with your elders as well. Be at peace throughout the entire flock because it honors your elders, honors your leaders. Most importantly, it honors God and reminds you that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High.